0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 147 of the a Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. I am Mike and with me as always is Hannah. How are you this evening, Hannah?
1: I am a broken woman.
0: You're broken. Yes. Do you want to explain the nature of your uh, your malady?
1: Oh, I'm just tired and my back is sore and moan, 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 moan. But I'll be fine. Excellent. I've got a cup of tea, I'll be all good. Well, I'll
0: get... Uh, I'll get probably at least two hours break from the complaining. <laughs> really Hannah has not actually complained at all today. This is the first time I've known that she's actually feeling broken to dancing.
1: Yeah.
0: It's uh, quite the opposite. But um, I'm glad that everybody has joined us and um, we are doing a sorbet episode. Our first uh, yeah. four. It's uh it's Saturday night and Hannah's yawning already.
1: <laughs> Let's party. Oh, it's
0: going to be a long night. We are covering uh, the first part of the two-part miniseries, Battlestar Galactica, from 2003. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this, Hannah? Uh, this is my pick, I should mention, but Hannah is the information guru, so uh, please put in Okay, please
1: quite a long plot synopsis to this.
0: Skip the plot synopsis, it's a remake of the 1970s TV series Battlestar Galactica.
1: Well, why are you asking me to tell you anything? Well, because, because I know very little. Because
0: I didn't realise that, that it had a long synopsis. Oh, right.
1: Uh, it's got Katie Sackhoff, I know that. It's a funny name. And uh, I mean, I've watched, I've watched some of the TV episodes. I don't know how that fits into the miniseries. I, I
0: actually, because me being the geek, I, I, I know pretty well how you watched it because it was Hannah and I watched in one afternoon. We watched the miniseries, but it was one of those. We'd had a bit of a late night the night before, so we just whacked something on the TV. This was back in Birmingham. and then, I don't
1: remember that at all. I'm talking about...
0: And then uh, this was one of those shows that I watched whilst Hannah was working on her computer and side-eye watching. Yes. So Hannah has kind of got a sense of the first season of this show, but but this was the... Uh, well, who, who were the creatives behind this, the... Uh,
1: um so it's written by Ronald D Moore and Glenn Larson. Um Ronald D Moore obviously very well known for Deep Space 9. Um
0: Glenn Larson is only getting a credit. next gen Star Trek. Outlander.
1: Outlander. Yeah.
0: Whole whole lot of Lo- stuff. Lots of different. Things. But but Glenn Larson only gets a credit cuz he was the writer on the original 70s TV series. So it's right. a kind of situations. Um and who directed this?
1: directed by Michael Rhymer.
0: he's a uh, um,
1: he's Australian.
0: Directed Queen of the Damned, the um Anne Rice movie, if I remember He correctly. is
1: known for Angel Baby, Battlestar Galactica and Hannibal.
0: Angel Baby. Angel
1: think, Baby.
0: Do you think that's a spin-off of the Angel TV series but when he was he was in the 70s and he was like, yeah,
1: an uh, Angel Baby. <laughs> No, it's about two schizophrenics that meet during therapy and fall passionately in love.
0: Wow, it's like our story all over again, isn't it?
1: <laughs> oh, definitely.
0: But uh, no, so it's, it's worth mentioning that the um, this is a remake of the original 1978 Battlestar Galactica, which was really Glenn Larson, who was he was a um, famous producer in the in the 80s. He was one of those people like Donald Bellasario and Stephen Cannell, you know, one of these guys who. Made tons of like he created Night Rider and yeah um, he um, you know co-created Magnum PI with Donald Belisario, he's one of those guys and but and he was a Mormon and the original 70s Battlestar Galactica was essentially a knockoff of Star Wars like it was right. the they talk about it on that Light and Magic series it was the first gig that that the special effects house that Lucas put together for Star Wars did after Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And the effects that they did were so similar that Lucas actually sued Glenn Larson. Really? Even though it was the same people working on it. Um but it was different. But the idea of the original series was that it was based on the Mormon Exodus to Salt Lake City. But in space. So the idea of the original space series. Lake. <laughs> space Lake. Space um, Lake. So the original so the idea of the original series was that there was this this um robotic uh, creatures um, attacked this this tribe of humans um, and they destroyed all of their habitats and they escaped to space basically mm. and they go go on this pilgrimage to find this mythical planet of lost um, humans called Earth. And of course the big mystery of the TV series, the original 70 series is like well, are they going to find Earth and if they do, are they going to be greeted by us in the 1970s or is it going to be dinosaurs? Mm. You know, so it's that whole thing. But TV series, this version was really controversial at the time because it was the first science fiction series to adopt that modern, darker, realistic aesthetic. Right. Um, it, the, 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 the This miniseries of the TV series is generally regarded as probably the most influential piece of film science fiction of the last 20 years. Mm. Um, but at the time, it got slated because um, they did a lot of things that now we take for granted. They gender flipped one of the main characters. Right, um, which was really controversial, but now it just seems you know you have to because it was all white dudes, yeah. You can't just remake it with all white dudes in the 2000s. Um, and also they changed the tone from rompy space adventure to um, kind of the West Wing meets um, Sopranos almost, you know, real, really kind of prestige. It was the first time we'd seen that prestige TV, and we can see that influence now everywhere in science fiction, and it did a lot of things like. First time we ever saw Shaky Cap, and that documentary style filmmaking, um, and the big the other big change that they made though was that in this version, um, the Cylons, the villains, were actually created by humans, right? And then it, so it was more like the Terminator AI developing a narrative, um, and also developing
1: beyond where they thought that they yeah. Used.
0: The hubris of humanity. Yeah. So there are a lot of differences. And also, the big difference is the Shades of Grey. And it's worth mentioning that when this miniseries was made, they were hoping it would go to be a TV series. But when it came out, it was just this two part um, miniseries. Uh, and it was funny. So, where
1: does the TV show fit in? The, the TV series starts, imme- no,
0: starts immediately after the miniseries.
1: But like, did did that come about straight after? No, it the was about a year or? and a half
0: later because right. it was a long. It was funny actually. I was at a um, science fiction convention in Milton Keynes, and most of the cast. You. Yeah. Never. And most that of the cast funny. About, about Star Galactica. That's where you've seen those photographs of all those uncomfortable-looking actresses reaching for their pepper spray. Um, <laughs> and um, that was the day they all found out that it had gone to series. Right. Um, so there was this, there was this like holy shit. We, we're actually we're going to go back to America because we've got jobs. <laughs> Let her lose
1: us. We don't need to <laughs> this. Fuck week, you, you know? sci-fi nerds. <laughs> we're up. Yeah,
0: yeah. We don't need this anymore. We don't need to be doing celebrity lap dances for. Uh, <laughs> you know? But um, but yeah. So I mean, the, but the reason I've picked this is, um, you know, I've, I've, because I've,
1: you've been sneakily trying to get me to watch it.
0: For no, no, because you've years. already you've already kind of seen. I know, it, but, but you. are no, no. It, yeah. it, that, honestly, I mean, that, I, I'm not denying, but that's a nice fringe benefit. But I just really wanted to watch it, and also, I was thinking about things that were never going to cover on the show. Yeah, I wanted to do a mini series
1: because
0: mm-hmm. um, I thought it worked well with V, and i thought of maybe doing Salem's Lot, but I think that might be. No, I don't know.
1: I'm not watching Salem's yeah, Lot.
0: Well, that's well, we we were talking about this a while Stephen ago. Stephen
1: King. No, uh, yeah, it, it's a
0: TV thing from the '70s, so it's not scary but uh, but thank I did, but, but I did think I could can do that. So this just ticked a lot of boxes and I thought uh for those reasons it would be good. But also it's just it's bloody good. Mm. And maybe if I am trying to get trick you into watching it, um you should thank me <laughs> <laughs> because it's really good. <laughs> um but yes, yeah, so that's what we're going to be covering tonight. Um and um before we get onto that though, quick bit of housekeeping. Um, a reminder that we appreciate email at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com and you can also leave us comments on YouTube um, and reach out to us via Instagram and Twitter where we are at rewatchproj that's rewatch P-R-O-J. Also please check out our friend shows namely Stroker versus Punter, his film, her movie Film Bastards, Entertainment Landfill Talk Without Rhythm Podcast and The Good The Bad and The Odd and we also appreciate reviews over at Spotify and on on podcasts uh anna do we have any feedback
1: we do okay on our the finale of season six of agents of shield jack dub says nice choices for the sorbet episodes i have a question for you for both of you one that i've waited an entire season to ask did you not did you miss not having any tie-ins to avengers endgame this season I ask because this was a major sticking point for a lot of MCU fanboys back when this season aired in 2019. In case you weren't aware of the situation, two things went down involving that movie and this particular season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The first was that Marvel Studios refused to share any of Endgame's plot points with Marvel Television. So the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were completely in the dark as to how that movie would resolve itself. The second was that ABC were dithering over, with, over when the show was going to air. Some at the network wanted it to come out in January 2019, before Endgame was released in May of that year. Long story short, a ton of fans took umbrage with the fact that the snap was never addressed, but I feel that the writers were put in an impossible situation and crafted the best story they could.
0: It's funny because, um, and thank you for that. Who was that again,
1: sorry? It was Jack it's Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Uh,
0: it's, um, it's funny because when the show was on, I was very aware of that. I was like, hang on. They they said at the end of the last season, like Thanos is coming. Mm. And, you know, the whole idea of the snap is that it happened across the whole universe. Yeah. You know, and they were in touch by it. I remember at the time thinking, oh, there's got to be some kind of behind-the-scenes sh- shenanigans. But, of course, re-watching it you're not quite as aware of where we are
1: yeah, in time absolutely. when we're
0: watching it. But it does sound mm-hmm. like basically they, there was nothing that they could have done. And I think also by this point, the show's its own thing as mm-hmm. well. And I don't think it really matters. I think anybody who's watching the show now is watching it because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not yeah. because of uh, that. And it's a shame. It's a shame that they were being a little douchey towards the TV shows. It, f- it does feel like they moved the goalposts a little bit. Yeah. Like the the, the theatrical.
1: Well, we both thought it was a shame that Coulson wasn't at um, Iron Man's funeral.
0: Yeah. And I get why he wasn't in Mm. the sense that it would have confused people who'd only seen the films. Yeah. Um, But I just think that when you think about how, in many ways, he was Coulson in those early MCU films. Admittedly,
1: he wasn't. Quote marks alive. Well, but, but what I mean
0: is that in those early MCU films, he was as much of a kind of presence that bound those films together as Samuel L. Jackson was. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, no, no, that's a,
1: a good point. Okay, what else we got, Helen? Sorry, I was just thinking about that. Thanks, Jack. Um, silver Surfer says. <laughs> Uh, I remember my heart pounding and thinking Fitzsimmons were going to sacrifice themselves. Such great tension during that scene. Mm. I was upset May didn't get a warrior's death at first, but after season seven, I'm happy with that decision now.
0: Yeah, it's funny. It's If there was going to be a character who was going to go out like that. Guns blazing. Hannah and I are a lot of people were watching season three of Star Trek Picard at the moment, mm-hmm. and I've got a feeling Worf's going to get a warrior's death at the end of this season. It, f- it feels like if ever they were going to let that character go out, this feels like
1: the way, of the the way, way. you know. Mm-hmm. This is the way.
0: The way. The way of the warrior.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we also hear... Today
0: is a good day to die. <laughs> yeah. you were any other man, i kill you where you stand. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay, we've got an email. Uh, subject line says, g'day. Um, good day. Good day. Um, hello, Mike and Hannah. Paul from Sheffield here again. Loved your season six coverage of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Although it deals with some weighty stuff, I like that it is kind of a breezy season and things aren't quite as constantly dire as they have been the last few seasons.
0: It's a breezen.
1: A breezen. Uh, I think Mike is right on the ball that knowing for sure they had another season gave them the chance to kind of chill out a little mm. and just enjoy the characters and situations. Loving that the rhymes keep popping back up too. Mm-hmm. Um, looking, It's for- Mac.
0: It, it, it's like, there's something about the word Mac that makes you want to...
1: Attack. Eat, ma- make, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh looking forward to your Battlestar coverage on the Sawbait. oh well, you won't have to wait very long <laughs> yeah i haven't really heard people discuss that show and i assume it is a favorite of you guys as it is so in your wheelhouse how are you getting on with x-files hannah have you got into season three yet if so what did you think of the end of season two and beginning of season three Oh, he
0: didn't spoil anything does
1: it no, no okay um that's when the show really takes off in my humble opinion do you have a favourite episode so far? Cheers, Paul. Um, we are not into season three yet. We're not far off. Um, what episode number are we at? I think we're to?
0: about episode 18 or something like that, okay. of season two.
1: Um we kinda of stalled uh purely because we've been so busy. Um uh, I mean we've
0: recorded less podcasts as well. Yeah, we've just, um we've done less of everything except um, sleeping and work. Actually, we've done less sleeping as well.
1: Um, Mike has a month of really busy stuff with work, Um, you know, events and things like that. And well, your my work time, yeah. is busy basically from January to May um, or January to June it, because I deal with financial reports. And um, it's like to pull the curtain right back. I'm working tomorrow. I'm working all next weekend. Um The opportunity, like, I haven't been finishing till sometimes 8, 8.45 mm-hmm. at night. Um
0: And, and even when which, we do our free yeah, time. It doesn't sound
1: so late, but equally, I've still got children to wrangle, um, dinner to cook, all that kind of stuff. So once all that's done and I've My finished My feet work, to rub. Fuck off.
0: <laughs> My Slippers to fetch. <laughs>
1: you, you're you going to get brained soon.
0: With <laughs> by my, by my slippers. I don't have slippers, by the way, listeners.
1: Um, you know. And if I touched his feet, he'd probably melt into a puddle of horribleness because he body. hates his feet being yeah. touched. Um,
0: TMI, Hannah, TMI. Well,
1: you're the one that brought it up. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it just... We haven't really been um, watching a lot of TV. To be honest, we've we've watched like one episode of things, and then I've, it's been everything I've been able to do to get to bed and not pass out. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've
0: been very time poor recently.
1: Yeah, so um, we we will get back to it. We we watched an X Files not that long ago. Well,
0: it's funny. The X Files has become our. Um, if In Doubt show Yeah. If In Doubt Wack It On show and, mm. and because there's so many and, episodes you can.
1: you did put me off a couple of times because you seemed to remember that the episode wasn't so great that we were about to watch and you were like are you sure we can't skip any and it like that sort of kills my buzz in terms of wanting to watch yeah, it yeah, yeah. you know so um, well we're over the hump now yeah well just keep that in mind if it comes up in future um yeah so we will we will continue with it. Um in terms of favorite episodes um I the one that was kind of like the I can't remember the episode the one uh oh the one where Scully's father dies.
0: Oh beyond the sea.
1: Yeah. I loved her in that episode, and I thought it was just so well done. Um,
0: it was just a really nice study of grief.
1: It it that was probably the episode that I was like, right, okay, I'm I'm invested. Well, oh,
0: it can be this good.
1: Well, not even thinking that it wasn't good beforehand, but but I cared that there was. Um, was was it that episode that that another actress came in?
0: No, no, that was oh. that was a that was around that time though. In it season
1: it one. was that episode. Yeah. I mean, not not. I thought that was beyond. I thought that's when Scully's father died. No, the episode where that cheesy British woman yeah came into it, and I felt really protective of Scully yeah, um, and I thought, okay, I am very invested in these characters in this relationship and watching them try to work their way through what's going on and I think the all that with, kind of thing. The thing so, with
0: Scully that's interesting is that I remember in the 90s, the character of Scully having a really kind of powerful effect on women. And I think that I, being young and stupid, kind of just put it down to representation. Like, oh, well, it's because, you know, there's a chick on the show, so of course they're going to gravitate towards her. But I do think that there is – there does seem to be, and I've got no understanding of this because I'm not a woman, some kind of relatability about Scully that women experience when they watch the show. Mm. I don't know if it's a workplace thing or whether it's the kind of having to try and balance.
1: I just think it's innate. You know, you see a little bit of yourself in her struggle – and, yeah, I I just, yeah, that's when I realised that I did actually care what happened to her. Um, and then I suppose, um, I'm trying to think now. Uh, was it that, what, I don't know if it was a season break or if it was the end of a season break. The episode where um, Mulder's sister, who says she's his sister.
0: Oh, that was about halfway through season two.
1: Yeah, I I thought that was a great episode mm. as well, and and a nice study of his vulnerability, and um, yeah, I I thought it was really well done, really well paced and acted by him, um, and yeah, I'm just enjoying it. In general, um, I like the sort of supporting characters that are coming in. I like uh, the way they're trying to bounce ideas off each other. Um, Yeah.
0: I think think looking back at the episodes we watched, I think my favourite run of episodes was the Dwayne Barry, Scully abduction run of episodes because I think you got to see – you got to see Mulder without Scully which mm. was interesting but also the way that that built up characters like Skinner mm. um and just added a level of complexity and mystery and um personal stakes yeah to a lot of things i think that those those ones worked really well but so uh, yeah well-
1: but like um Skinner in the episode where Scully's trying to find where Mulder's gone when he's gone He's gone AWOL, um, because of his sister. Yeah, and she and doesn't she say, uh, "Use your channels or something to get whatever information it is." Oh, and
0: he beats the shit out of it, like,
1: yeah,
0: oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I t- I just turns up bloody at her door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: like... I just I thought fantastic.
0: He's like, oh, is it? It's just like what unofficial channels? Unofficial
1: channels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. um, it was brilliant. So um, yes, thank you for your email.
0: Mm,
1: yes, that Keep was Paul. Coming. Was that Paul, Paul? from Sheffield,
0: where I went to university. I was told that every time you email oh, me, like, Paul, I'm a creature habit.
1: Paul, you, Paul, you, Paul, Paul,
0: Paul, you. is that what you're going to say if you ever meet him? Paul, you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's going to be an amazing exchange.
0: Her, her email read good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, right. Anything else? No, that's it.
0: Okay, well, we're going to hit pause. We're going to watch the first episode of the two-part miniseries *Battlestar Galactica*, um, and then we will come back and we will discuss it. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome to Film Bastards, a podcast where three friends, two of them married, and two of them podcasting life partners, chat everything from new releases, trailers, news, and an eclectic mix of other film goodies, oh, and many, many, many tangents. You can find them by searching your podcast provider, or check them out on Twitter and Instagram by searching Film Bastards. you never know, you might like it, and if you don't, well, we don't really give a f- We're back. We've just pressed stop on the first episode of the two-part miniseries *Battlestar Galactica* from 2003, and uh, we we should probably have—we sort of touched on this a little bit at the beginning, but you—you—you have seen this before, haven't you?
1: Yes. Well, I've seen—I've seen it but not paid super close attention. You've
0: been in the room whilst it was on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I but obviously...
1: I, I had remembered most of this. Yes,
0: yes. Uh, okay, I just thought it, it's useful to um, contextualise mm. that a little bit yeah. at the beginning. But uh, but what were your impressions of watching this this evening?
1: I really like it. Um, I think it, it, I mean, it's so un-sci-fi, for a sci-fi thing, what did you explain? Very well. Uh, to me, I would, I would, um, put it up there with like action movies, like terrorist movies, where they take control of something and you've got this band of people trying to get it back, you know, this time watching executive it. decision kind of thing. Well I was
0: thinking more I was getting almost like Hunt for Red October or yeah, uh, yeah. that kind of and, and the 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 West Wing, the kind of character I mean, drama thing.
1: With the military aspect, it is very Hunt for Red October, you know, and and West Wing obviously with all the presidential stuff. It it just um at this stage, it's so little about anything sort of sci-fi related. And I think there's no
0: aliens ever in the show.
1: No, but like the fact that Galactica as a ship is low tech, um, it sort of, it makes you think that they're on a submarine rather than Mm. a spaceship Mm. as well. So there's that aspect of it. And, you know, such solid performances from from all of the key actors that we've seen so far, um, you know, just just a really compelling watch. Yeah. What about you?
0: Well, I mean, it's funny. It only just occurred to me literally minutes ago, but this is now 20 years old. Mm. And I think that you, even watching it now, it feels completely contemporary. Like, yeah. And what that says is that it was ahead of its time. Mm. Because I think that in some ways – the things or that inf- we've
1: been fighting the same fight for twenty years.
0: Yeah, well no, you but I don't I don't just mean no, but I mean just like stylistically as a TV show. Mm. You know, like the 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 techniques because I feel like the, the some of the influences on this were more things like the um like the Born films were coming up around this time. Yeah. Um and um films like Black Hawk Down. Mm. You know, and it was funny because I think that the language of war. Uh, had changed like before the 2000s when you think of war you think of either Vietnam or you think of like World War II movies but then we got used to seeing things like um, night vision footage of attacks on um, you know the cities in the Middle East and like Mm -hmm. um, head cam footage and digital footage and you know So the the aesthetics of war were changing. And in films like Black Hawk Down and the Bourne films, you were seeing it wasn't this stately detached god's eye view. It was very much... um, It was much grittier. It was grittier. It was much more verite and documentary. And um, all of the the filming on Battlestar Galactica is handheld. They don't Mm. use rigs or dollies or anything. Everything's shot. And they don't really plan the shots. They just have a bunch of camera people. They get the actors to do the scenes mm-hmm. and they capture the, the scenes like they're shooting a documentary. The only blocking that they do is to ensure that the camera operators don't accidentally catch the other camera operators. That's yeah. the only thing that they do. But besides that, they don't plan. They just they rehearse the scene with the actors and then they just get in there and film it. Mm-hmm. And um, that, seemed, that seemed revolutionary. I remember when this... this first came out people were just like didn't know what they were watching yeah and just odd little things like um there's a shot early on where something explodes and you're in space and it's like the debris hits the camera and knocks it off tilt but obviously there's no camera because it's cg Mm. but the idea of using camera perspective in cg shots but actually having the cameras react like the idea of having a camera looking like mm-hmm. it's mounted on something that seems well, It makes you. it
1: almost like a documentary.
0: Yeah, well, it just seems really odd. And, like, things like – um obviously, sure. in real life, there's no sound in space. And in this, there's a little bit of sound. But every time you're in space, it's really dialed down. So mm. the space battle sequences, even when there's battles going on, are quiet. Very quiet. And it creates this really weird effect. And just stuff like that. And Considering that, obviously, Ronald Moore had been working on Star Trek for years, which – was the kind of the established aesthetic? Mm. You almost get the feeling that he was kind of scribbling down all the stuff he wanted to do but couldn't do because of the kind of the rules. Yeah. Of of um of Star Trek.
1: I love the use of that, uh, like melody whenever the Cylons are about to attack or there's something, you know, quote marks bad.
0: Yes, yeah, sort of discordant. about to
1: happen. That sort of. I mean I'm not even gonna to attempt to do it, but there's the same piece of music plays each time. Yeah. Um and it's really effective because uh the further along it gets in it, the more you dread hearing that because you know that shit's about to go down. Yeah. Um it's really effective. It it like I would say it's a an, as as effective as um the music is in Jaws.
0: Well, it's funny because one of the things that i would forgotten, going back and watching this now, is just how dire <laughs> things are. Yeah, you pretty, know, pretty like, bad. Like, like they're, they're, you know, I mean, the, the, the characters are kind of heroic in a way, mm. but there's nothing, uh, they're having to just make these mathematical decisions mm. to try and, and there's no place, it's, it's pure pragmatism, yeah. you know, and I think that that's something that um, you didn't really see. And um, well, let's get into it. I, mean, I don't want to do a sort of beat by beat because it's it's too long. But mm. um, there are like a few scenes, whilst well, some moments that I want to mention because I think that they're pretty notable. And I'd be curious mm. to get um, you know your your take on it as somebody who hasn't seen this a whole a whole bunch of times. Mm. Um, but I mean, the I like one of the things this this does at the very beginning is I mean, obviously you get the backstory. Of um that that the there was a war 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, and that um they were and it's funny because whenever you see any of the stuff from the earlier war, like the ships and the old Cylons, that's all stuff from the original 70s TV series. Yeah. So they're not trying to say it's set in the same universe because this is a reboot. And I remember this series was the first time that they they used the words reboot and reimagining in the marketing. And it was the first time those terms had been used, but now that's become part of... Because I remember there was this, and the the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes came out around this time, and that was, Mm. I think, referred to as like a reimagining as well. And it was this idea that you weren't readapting something, but you were basically just adapting the very core concepts. Yeah. You know, because the core concepts... your
1: own spin on it.
0: Yeah, and and the the, the core concepts of the original Battlestar Galactica on paper, was an incredibly dark concept. But because it was the 70s and it was in the wake of Star Wars, Mm. it was all super fun. Like, um, there's a kid in it and he's got a robot dog. You know, that's what the 70s show was. Very lost in space. Yeah, and and, and and it's a great show for what it was. I mean, very um, impressive on a technical level. Um, But, you know, the tone is... I mean, the original 70s Battlestar Galactica tonally had as much in common with, like, the love boat and you know, Fantasy Island and mm. all that, Heart to Heart, and all those shows that were
1: on—probably Lost in Space. Yeah, yeah, well,
0: yeah, and, and all of that kind of thing. But uh, but I think so. You get all that stuff at the beginning about, um, and you get the impression through the character of Six, the uh, Trisha Helfer character. That well, I thought
1: she was fantastic. Well,
0: she does seem like a robot as well. Like she yeah. reminds me a lot of Daryl Hannah in Blade Runner. There's a very similar. She's
1: got this kind of quiet. Um. Menace,
0: but there's a there's a there's layers to it though. Yeah, like she seems curious and kind of emotional, almost like she doesn't know how to be. Mm. You know, she's got all these like they're, 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 you get the feeling that, that the silence have gained some kind of sense. It's like she talks about God, like they've had some kind of spiritual awakening, mm. but then she's not able to process it and doesn't know right from wrong. Do you or- ever
1: find out how? They came to evolve. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one thing that's worth mentioning to anybody who hasn't seen the show is that it it does have an ending. It's a it's a very short show. I mean, there's only four seasons. The first season's got like eight episodes. But you
1: don't find out in the miniseries.
0: Um, I can't remember. You get quite a lot in the miniseries, Um, Mm. but because they they obviously they didn't know they were gonna necessarily Mm. gonna get more. Um, But there is. I mean, again, this was around the era. uh, it was a little bit before, of Lost and those shows, so there is we were we were moving into the era of the mystery box, mm. you know, and there is you'll see by the end of the second episode that there's several very specific mysteries um, set up um, and then, then the next sequence that you get, and this is something that existed before of course but I think this show really solidified, is the introducing the spaceship through the following a character walking around, and then another character walking past them, and then we follow them. Yeah. And we get introduced to all of the characters, but we're also getting the news reporter giving us the exposition, but we're also getting the geography of the ship. So Mm. it's a very economical piece of filmmaking that shows off the mythology of the show, shows off the fact that... And again, watching it now, just how impressive the sets are. Like, all the sets on this show are really fucking big. And we were used to... You know, TV shows where you know it was the same one corridor that they'd flip and redress. Whereas you get the feeling that they they spent a little bit of money mm. on this. Uh,
1: I did. I did have to not laugh, but I thought it was quite signposty. Some of the conversations to get the uh, you know genesis of the character. You know, like uh, the conversation that Starbuck and Adama have. Um, when she's in the brig, and
0: oh, about his brother,
1: yeah, yeah, and you know, like it's sort of it. It's not like well, as you know, two years ago, yeah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah blah blah, but it comes out in the. Uh, how long's it been? Two years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it feels like only two months. It's the funeral. Yeah, yeah. Uh, blah blah oh, my dad, Uh, well, who was he to me? You know, it was very, like, okay. As as
0: an old, partially deaf person, I kind of appreciate that. I I, I appreciate not having to figure shit out sometimes. Um, But, yeah, that that technique, you would see a lot not long afterwards. Like, the um, Serenity, the Firefly movie, starts exactly the same way with people walking around the ship and following this person. And, yeah. you know, it just means that you can cover a lot of ground in one go. Mm. Um, so, you know, they get decommissioned and all that. And you learn a lot about the characters through their interactions as well, which I think is nice.
1: So what were you saying about you as a 50-year-old?
0: Oh, yeah, I oh, appreciate having shit just laid out to me really simply.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't have to work oh, I, d- I don't think it's done in a kind of in that horrible, like I said, like that horrible, well, as you know, mm. my blah, blah, blah died on the, you know, whatever. Um, but it, it's just something that I suppose uh, in anything good that's come out recently, I haven't noticed it, but yeah. I did in that. Yeah,
0: and I think the other thing as well is, is that there's such a, I think it's a case of writers picking their battles because there is so much information that has to be conveyed yeah. uh, about the universe. About not only you having to cre- create this current history of this whole universe, you are having to also cover the prehistory. Mm. Um, so, I just think there is a point where I think that they just figure they'll give the audience a break on certain things. Yeah, so absolutely. I think I think that, and I think it's a smart movies. Let's just be really clear about all the interpersonal stuff. So, all the stuff we've like the executive officer with Ty about his wife mm. and how he and um Kara, Starbucks um, insubordination and the mm. sort of tempestuous relationship between them. I think that making that stuff really clear is probably a good idea yeah. when you consider all of the other stuff they've gotta they've gotta get across.
1: I um, get um Gaius and uh, Dr Bashir everybody does. Star Trek everybody all does confused, so. uh,
0: Alexander Siddiq uh, is basically a Indian version yeah of, um,
1: they're so similar
0: they're, they've got the same voice they've both they've both worked with Ronald Moore they've both been in Star Trek mm. you know it's just because uh, the guy who plays Baltar played Picard's dad in season 2 of Picard <laughs> you know when they had all those flashback sequences oh yeah yeah and uh, and when he was in the when people saw screenshots of the guy from Battlestar Galactica in the Starfleet, uniform, people thought it was Bolter, thought, thought it was Bashir. Yeah, yeah. they were like, oh my god, Bashir's back and he's, he's aged really well. He's like no, it's it's a, it's a different actor. But there's definitely a type. There are definitely types of actors that Ronald Moore likes. Yeah. I
1: do. I mean, I remember him best as being Bridget Jones's gay best friend. Yeah, yeah. In the movie,
0: and he's kind of in some ways. There's a lot of breakout stars in Battlestar Galactica, but he's one. Who is just a very fun character. Like they, 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 they do a lot of quite comedic stuff with him in the series. You get a little little glimpse of that mm. um, in that, and he's a really complex character as well. Who you kind of you think you've figured out, and then he'll surprise you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those sort of you don't know, yeah,
1: absolutely. You know. And there's
0: a lot of that that gray area, you know, in 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 the show as well. Um, I mean, there's awful. He is, but at the same time, he's not evil. He's just...
1: He's a narcissist. Yeah,
0: he's just um, selfish and childish. Yeah. You know, and um, so, you know, we, we learn a lot about the, the characters in the universe. We're introduced to Laura, the, the um, Secretary of Education. Um, we, we get a lot of stuff with um, the female Cylon learning about humanity. She kills a baby, mm. which is, you know, her kind of learning the ultimate lesson about life. Um,
1: and she sees it. You can see that she sees it as doing the baby a favor.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's almost like she's doing it out of just curiosity, in the same way that a kid would kill an insect, almost because they just, mm. you know, um, we're introduced to Apollo or Lee, and it's funny because in the original series, Apollo, if, and that's the other thing. They don't. Have, none of them have other names in the original series. His name is just Apollo,
1: right? You know,
0: and it's much more because the the the. the um, Egyptian mythology plays a big part in the in the original series. Mm. Um, like there's the whole sort of chariot of the gods thing, but um, but in this, you know, they've got human names and these crazy sort of uh, Egyptian names um, are just their call signs. So it's a little bit like in Batman when you got the Christian Bauer ones, and it's kind of like he's not wearing a costume; it's just more a suit to protect him, and yeah. it's kind of real world defying some kind of crazy sci fi ideas. Yeah. So as opposed to these characters have crazy names. And of course, Starbuck was, I mean, that was Dirk Benedict in the original one. You know, mm. he was, he was a, a male character.
1: Another person that you've met.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and it's funny because he, he, I mean, Starbuck in the original, basically he was Han Solo, mm. you know. But Apollo was a real uh, gee whiz, super square-jawed hero guy in the original um, 70s one. Whereas here, he's much more of a kind of, well, they're all much more complex mm. characters. You know, like when you first introduce to Lee, he comes across like a bit of a prick. But then after, as you spend time with him, you're like, actually, he's like this for these reasons. And when it comes down to it, he's a good guy. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of one of the big subtexts of the whole show is Looks can be deceiving. Looks can be deceiving and people nobody is just one thing. No, you know. and
1: and I mean that's the whole point of why the Cylons Look the way they do now because everybody has a secret, everybody. Oh,
0: yeah, it's easy to infiltrate. Everybody's
1: got a double life. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't necessarily always mean it's a nefarious double life, but there's always things that people hold back um, and it makes them vulnerable.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, like I say, when you see the Museum of the Previous War, that's all stuff from the original series. And
1: actually, the way that they introduce a lot of the characters doing some kind of secret shagging, yeah, is is a way of getting that across. Like, you know, like um the chief and Boomer yeah, yeah. having this argument as they're walking towards the basically supply closet. Yeah, well, it's
0: to, also the fact that they've got they've got no time for lives. No, as well. Yeah, and. Um, so we see this is the scene where we get Lee and Kara have the conversation about, about Zach about his brother. And the original, because the, the original '70s series starts with his brother getting killed, and he's played by Rick Springfield. Oh, wow! <laughs> uh, um, I've got my note here about um, Baltar and Bashir being very. Uh, and you've got like when you've got the scene where um, Lee's kind of having a go at his dad. You get the first of many great pieces of stoic face acting from Edward James Olmos. You know that kind of stoic, looking like he might cry, it's hug or punch. Mm. Basically, he's he's got one of those, and it's got to be said. I mean, there's a lot of great performances in this, but Edward James Olmos was just such a find to have as the central. It's
1: amazing because
0: he's not he's not Kirk or Picard or one of those, but at the same time, he's a good leader, um, but he's not. Um, Again, complex, complex. You know.
1: He he was great in Agents of Shield as yeah. well. He like he just brings that gravitas, the, no matter gravitas what, is the word, what, what it? role he's playing.
0: Um, we see six telling Baltar about what's going on, uh, and she 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 basically you can sum up his character by saying Weasley self Weasley self deception, and it's mm-hmm. that thing that people do when you know you've done something shitty. And you're trying to justify it. You're like, well, you know, I, I was only doing that because of this. Mm. He's like doing that on like a grand scale. You know, yeah. I mean, he was doing stuff out of ambition and idiocy and greed.
1: Of course. Um, and because a pretty lady wanted to have sex with him. Yeah. Her. But
0: he's. Um, or, or, you know, he was right, thinking
1: he, with his nether agents yeah. and he's not it, the first person. But but
0: he, he's completely horrified when he realizes what's actually happened. Yeah. But mainly horrified from a.
1: That's because the blood's in his brain. At I'm going yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> to. But he mainly just thought, uh, I'm going to get in shit for this. You yeah. know? And, um, and Six talks to him about how he has to take responsibility for his actions as well. And she says, and this is the first tease of one of the, the early mysteries of the show, that she says that there's. Six models, uh, sorry, 12, Twelve. models, yeah. and she's number six. So there's, uh, there's 11 other infiltratable Cylons mm. out there. Yeah. Uh, and that if she dies, she's basically goes back up onto the cloud and is then fired back out. And it's funny as well because a lot of the sci fi stuff they have here is very contemporaneous to stuff that was going on. Because re watching it now, I was thinking, God, they really do hammer home the whole network uh, thing. Mm. But the idea of networks and the idea of analog um, and closed networks and firewalls weren't something that non-geeks really knew about. Yeah. Then, so they kind of have to explain it, and
1: I know, think they do a really good job of explaining it in a really interesting way of of bringing it about, and and well, they
0: actually say later on in the show. Um, they refer to the place where they get uploaded to as the cloud. Mm. And that was the first time I ever heard that term. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because, again, 20 years ago, and talking about uploading to the cloud, that's pretty cutting-edge shit for, yeah. for them. Um
1: the, I again I they, only just started using a mobile phone regularly 20 years ago. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's cool as well. And because, I still text it in capitals.
0: Well, <laughs> one of them – I'm glad you stopped that. I think I was in trouble – but the, um, well, I, I probably am, but, but I'm just in trouble in lowercase. <laughs> um, one nice little geeky thing is because I, I am really nostalgic for the original seventy series. I watched it as a kid. I remember it was on TV around the time we got our first video. So Isn't
1: this the one that that you rented from the mobile library? I bought it rental.
0: No, it wasn't the mobile library, it was just a video library. Oh, but,
1: uh, but didn't they sell it to you because yeah, yeah, you yeah, are yeah. the only one that
0: bought it? I, I, I kept renting it over and over and over again. And, yeah. and my, my dad convinced them to to sell it to me. This is before you could buy pre-recorded videos, so it's quite a big deal.
1: Well, um, I don't know.
0: But, uh, but, uh, Oh, I wish the hell out of that. But, um, so I've got a lot of nostalgia for that show. And the thing that's cool is that all the stuff's updated, but the older antique versions of the Vipers that they use are the ones from the 70s series. But because they're the non-network ones and the only ones at work, it gives the show an excuse to do a little bit of kind of a callback to the original mm. series. But again, if you're not familiar with that and not being swept up in the nostalgia, it makes narrative sense because of just the whole, um, you know, the whole network to network. Yeah, or not absolutely. To network thing. Um, one other thing that I like as well is that the ships are the Cylons. Like in the original series, uh, there were like these robotic things, you know, shiny metal, mm. like, like the sidekicks that you see she's got at the beginning. They're like yeah. that. Um, but when they're in their ships, they're just in their ships. The Cylons are just flying them, you know. But in this, it's like, well, if they're robots, why would you have robots flying ships? You'd just make the ships the robots. Yeah. So the idea is is that the spaceships are just flying Cylons, basically, that look like spaceships, and that's a really nifty kind of idea. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And,
0: of course, it's funny because I mentioned that Glenn Larson created Knight Rider. Obviously, the Cylons in the original had that red light that goes across like that. Yeah, yeah. And he was a great recycler, so when he did Night Rider, he just gave them the site gave the car the red Cylon thing at yeah, the yeah. front, you know. So it's it's funny watching it now. There's a lot of people who would probably watch this version and be like, oh, that's
1: from Night Rider. It's like, well, no, it's kind of <laughs>
0: the other way around.
1: I remember the Night Rider car coming to Palmerston North.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: It was quite the curious most
0: exciting thing to this day that has <laughs> that has happened. Um I really also want to mention um Mary, Mary McDonnell or Mary McDowell—I can never remember her name—who um, okay. plays Laura? Um, she's really fantastic in this as well, um, because I mean, obviously, early on in the episode, she learns that she's got cancer. You yeah. know, so that's so that's her sort of
1: Mary McDonnell.
0: Mary McDonnell, but probably most well known for *Dances with Wolves*. That was her her big. Um, um,
1: well. I've not seen Dancers with Wolves. I remember her as the mother in Donnie Darker.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. And She's it's funny great funny that. I, I remember um, w- when um, this show was on, um, they did these 10-minute behind-the-scenes video logs. Uh, and that was a real cutting-edge thing at the time, where they go behind the scenes. I remember seeing an interview with Ronald D. Moore, and he was saying that when they were writing it, they were writing it and they were like, I really see like a Mary McDonald kind of actor, actor, mm. and then they were like, well, "Should we see if we can get her?" <laughs> and they were like, and they said they're amazed when they did, uh, and they said that that they said as soon as they got her and Ed Jones, almost that was almost a mission statement because they're both very naturalistic actors. Yeah, they're not like stage type actors, they're very, they're film actors. Yeah. You know, who are used to having the camera really Subtle close. Subtle movements. Yeah, quiet yeah. sort of, you know, quiet um, acting. face filling the frame. Mm. And there's a moment with her that I really like, but kind of tells you everything about her character. Mm. Is the bit where the pilot on the ship is handing her that bit of paper and he's reading it. His oh hands yeah. Her, and she just puts She's her hand on his hands and just settles Yeah, And that's a really nice kind of character beat but mm. shows her. And there's another beat later on where she's been sworn in and she's speaking quietly and I, and she catches herself and realises that she sounds dour mm. and she composes herself and just starts saying it assertively mm. for everyone else's benefit. And there's just these moments where she's kind of doing the right thing, but she also, she is a politician mm. and she understands the power of appearance and, yeah. and doing that. But you do get the feeling that there, it is genuine. And I like the fact that Lee recognizes that immediately. Like, when I first watched this, I thought, oh, God, he's going to come on and just Just be a real dick. Fuck
1: you, lady. But
0: he's just like, no, (laughs) she's got this. She knows uh,
1: what she's doing. You know, I don't
0: want to have to deal with his crap. Um, And, um, hang on a second, where are we? Uh, Yeah, so we see that they keep losing power. Again, it's those networks. Mm. Um, We see that um, Hilo and uh, Sharon um, find the survivors uh, on the planet as well. That's kind of a... A very similar scene in the original one as well. Um, we get the reporter guy who wants Apollo to take control uh, on, um, on on the but ship.
1: A problem with women and authority. Uh,
0: yes, yes, and um, we see um, them trying to c- calm the um, the crowd down. And it, I really thought because I don't know why I really thought when he's getting, that he was going to go, all right, calm the farm because he <laughs> he started saying calm, and I was like, there
1: was something about the, the delivery of it that like. You've, just, you've heard that too much
0: yes, here. Me, just, everyone just calm the F down.
1: Calm F-down. the fuck, um,
0: people. And and that sense of escalation as well, you know, feels real. Like when there's that crowd, it does mm. feel like they could lose control of the situation. Yeah. Um, we we get all of that bit of business with the lottery uh, of trying to uh, – and obviously, clearly, Boltar was going to –
1: Oh, a 100% going to – He's
0: like, hey, hey, she will yeah. you know – but,
1: yeah. I I like the first thing he says is, I haven't done anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> and like, and, uh,
0: yeah, you
1: were thinking
0: about it. And this is where I've got my note about how Laura pulls herself together halfway through the swearing in. And, uh, but I guess the real, the climax of this episode is the growing disagreement between the military and the state. Yeah. Between what to do. And I think the thing that's good is that we've spent fairly even amount of time with both of them. So you can see both sides, mm. you know, um, but, but it's one of those like humanity versus pragmatism kind yeah. of, uh, kind of things. And obviously Lee is really what's happening is that Laura and Adama are fighting for him. Yeah. You know, and it's almost Absolutely. like, it's like In- he, he is the objective audience. Mm-hmm
1: and the problem he has is i think he agrees with his father but doesn't want to
0: yeah so, but he likes
1: oh Laura. he really likes Laura but he can see that that his father is actually making the right call yeah but he doesn't want to side with him yeah yeah
0: yeah, yeah. so he, he he makes a sort of complex situation even more complex yes yeah. and um and um but yeah, so I mean, um, I'm looking forward to watching the second part.
1: It's it's a very strong first part. Yes, um, and stops in a really interesting place. Like yeah,
0: because it wasn't like a, a, a cliffhanger, cliffhanger. It was, it was, I get the feeling that they just shot the whole thing, and that was halfway through.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it it like it it ends in a place where you. Uh, very keen to see more but not like and the murderer was blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah yeah blah, blah. you know roll credits
0: yeah yeah that no, yeah. would okay well we will get to that uh, very soon a uh, couple of quick reminders that we appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast@gmail.com or our uh, well, and or leave comments on our youtube channel check out our friend shows apple podcast uh, and itunes reviews and Instagram and Twitter at ReWatchProj. Uh, that is
1: us See you later.